The Courage to Lead, episode 58. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. Um, I'm having a great week because I get to do stuff like this. Uh, I get to interview great people. Let me introduce you to my next guest. This is Stan Gibson. Stan Gibson is a business executive and student of energy for more than 35 years, and he can tell you unequivocally that most business owners and executives, while managing millions of dollars in assets, ignore the most expensive asset in their portfolio, themselves. Stan is the author of Living a Rich and Intentional Life, where he dives directly into reclaiming energy and purpose with intention. This collection of research centers around psychological, sorry, this collection of research centers around physiological and biohacks aimed at sleep, nutrition, exercise, relationships, mindfulness, personal branding, and life-enriching routines. Living a Rich and Intentional Life is aimed at helping you find your sweet spot in life without neglecting family, friends, and most importantly, your own well-being. Stan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Harlan. Glad to be on. This is great. So a student of energy. We are all energy. Everything we do is energy. Everything we have is energy. We're either getting energy or, or shifting energy or wasting energy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I think it's one of those things they say, you know, do you, do you bring energy when you walk in the room or do you bring energy when you walk out of the room? So uh, <laughs> hopefully it's when I, when I walk in the room and when I'm on your podcast. Definitely when you're in the room. Absolutely. All right, Sam, we're going to get into that. I'm going to talk about kind of how you got your start. I'm going to talk about your book, uh, some of the coaching consulting work you're doing right now. Um, but before we get started, I have 10 questions that I ask every one of my guests. These are the questions made famous on the uh, award-winning show Inside the Actor's Studio, where host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood stars. And I figure if these questions are good enough for the Hollywood elite, they are certainly good enough for my guests. So Stan, if you're ready, 10 questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Uh, favorite word? Um, I'm going to go with a word out of my book called Ikigai, which is Japanese for a reason to wake up in the morning. Nice. And what is your least favorite word? You know, I think it's anything that starts with can't or I hate or just something that just, it just sends a negative vibe to me. It's like, nah, I got to change the, the yeah. tone of this conversation. So anything yeah. like that, probably. <laughs> All right. What turns you on? Oh, people. I'm just a people junkie. Um, I love to be around people. I love to go to concerts. I love to go to, I went to the farmer's market, which is huge here a, a week ago. Just being around people just really gives me energy. Nice. And what turns you off? Uh, probably the opposite, boredom. Uh, just again, high energy guy. So boy, there's nothing to do. I can be on a vacation too long. And if I get bored, it's like time to get back. So boredom. <laughs> All right. What sound or noise do you love? Um, you know, it, when I get up in the morning, I, I, I try to crank up some tunes. I like just really high energy music. Uh, and there's a few things that I listen to. So anything that's got a great bass to it and just gets me rocking. Um, I love music. Nice. And what turns you or what noise or sound do you hate? Uh, you know, um, 
probably silence. <laughs> um, you know, again, I, I just love a, a vibrant conversation. So let's just go with silence. All right. Um, what is your favorite curse word? You know, I try to keep uh, most things in my life PG. Um, we all know the uh, the seven words you can't say on TV by George right. Carlin. So, you know, no <laughs> need to go there. Um, but I can tell you, I golf a lot. <clears throat> so okay. you'll probably hear me on the golf course. <laughs> doggone it stanley uh typically comes out more times than not and again it's just i've just trained myself to say doggone it stanley and if i'm using stanley and not stan then i'm kind of using the word that my mom would use so that that lets me know that i did something wrong so anytime uh, you mom uses your full name you know you're in trouble that comes out (laughs) exactly um what profession other than your own would you like to attempt you know, I like what I'm doing now, but I think if I could morph it into more uh, professional athletes, uh, working with a guy out of Phoenix right now that played uh, in the NFL for about eight years, and we're trying to figure out a way to take some of this stuff and maybe move it to more professional athletes. Uh, I think I think that would just be a, be a blast. Nice. What profession would you not like to do? You know, I hate to see people suffer, Harlan. <clears throat> if I was a doctor, if I had to, you know, make hard decisions or an EMT, being kind of a first responder. I just love those people because I'm so glad God made a place for them on earth because it's not me. I just, I just don't like to see people suffer. So that, that would be hard on me. Absolutely. Same here. All right. Finally, Stan, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm. Well done, my friend. Well done. Well done. Excellent. All right, Stan, we're going to come back, talk a little bit about what it means to be a student of energy, talk about your book, Living a Rich and Intentional Life, and what else is going on in your world, right? So we'll talk about that right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And we're back with my guest, Stan Gibson. Stan, thank you again so much for being a part of the podcast. Enjoy having you on here. Um, Tell me about what it means to be a student of energy. Oh, wow. Well, number one, I've always kind of been a high energy guy, but you know, um, in the bio you talked about, you know, I, I mentioned the word, you know, people don't pay enough attention to their biggest assets mm-hmm. and uh, themselves. Well, I've been in the real estate business, commercial real estate business. So I know a lot about assets. I've, uh, you know, I've managed for a, a fortune 100 company, their, their real estate assets. And, and, and I know what it's like to take care of them. I know what it's like to, uh, to not to t- take care of them. And, uh, so, you know, when it comes to assets, I know a lot about that. But when it started to morph into people is when it became personal. And I would say that even though I've been in real estate up until the last four or five months, um, you know, they say Rome wasn't built in a day, but they were laying bricks for 100 years. Um, that's been me. I've been laying bricks for a long time. And I was on a vacation about, oh, I don't know, let's just say 13, 14 years ago. And I started reading a book, uh, The Power of Full Engagement. And it just it just sent me through the roof. It was like, wow, you know, these, these dudes right here, they're training professional Olympian athletes. And yet they took a lot of the concepts, which was physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And they took those concepts 
and they applied them to the business world. And I thought, how cool is that? And, and, and so that book kind of got me rolling. And I started doing my own research. I started listening to a lot of other, well, at the time, I don't know how many podcasts there were, because this is more, more recent, but just started reading a lot of books. And the more I started reading, the more um, I started getting offers to come speak. And then I started becoming a little bit of a motivational speaker. And then I just, it just morphed from there, Harlan. So I just, uh, anything around energy, I'm just a student. I just love, love learning about it. Awesome. So you spend time in real estate too. Yeah, I tell you, I, I mean, it's been my career. I, yeah. you know, from all the way back into the early 80s, I mean, I was in commercial real estate. I was, first I was in residential, I was managing apartments and I figured, uh, I don't like evicting people. <laughs> I don't like setting people's stuff out on, 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 on the street side. And, and uh, so I figured out, you know what, I'm going to get into the commercial real estate where, you know, they handle uh, their problems between lawyers and I can step out of the, uh, out of the middle. So I got into commercial real estate. So happened to work for some really good leaders, some really good people that uh, propelled my career. And uh, my wife and I were living in Dallas, Texas at the time. And, uh, but we both grew up. In fact, I've known my wife since third grade. So wow. everybody always takes a, whoa, when they hear that. <laughs> so, uh, so I always say she was chasing me around on the playground. I gave in eventually and we finally uh, got married. So um Anyway, we've known each other a lot. Our moms are best friends. So that's a cool story because nice. when we go home, we go home. I mean, we go to the Midwest. We go to a place in Illinois, a small farming community where, where, where we grew up. And uh, so, um, but anyway, from, always wanted to kind of move back to the Midwest. We, we had a daughter and who we love very much. Her name's Katie. And uh, so we wanted to move back to the Midwest, got a call from a headhunter with Principal Financial Group uh, to move up to Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah, which was a shock to the system after being in uh, Dallas, yeah. but it proved to be a nice shock because over the years, I can't imagine any place nicer than uh, Des Moines, Iowa, well-kept secret. And uh, again, in real estate, um, asset management and uh, got uh, took, took and maybe became an entrepreneur out of it, it lifted out their real estate company and started a company. From there, uh, Wells Fargo had uh, called on me and asked me if I would be their real estate director of Wells Fargo Financial. So I've been in the real estate uh, biz for like 35 years, but I just left about four four months ago. And like mm -hmm. I said, you know, I started laying these bricks probably 15 years ago. And I've had a website, you know, kind of waiting to be unveiled, you know, for the last two or three years. And now it's time to... Uh, it's time to to put on the cape and uh, get get going. So I'm I'm just excited at the, at, at the next stage of my life. Absolutely. So Oxygen Plus is the name of your consulting group, correct? Right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, tell me a little bit about the book. I've got the book. You sent me a copy. Thank you so much for that copy, an autographed copy. So eat your heart out, everybody else. Um, Living a rich and intentional life. Tell me about the book. So. Um, like I said, I was kind of going down this path probably about, uh, oh, nine or 10 years ago. But I'll tell you what, what really hit me, Harlan, was uh, my wife and I were having dinner one night and we were, we, were, we were sitting at a table and we had a guy come up who was a good friend of ours. And when I say a good friend, I mean, this is one of those guys that you look at and, you know, he's a CEO of an investment firm. He, he and his wife do uh, marriage ministry all over the world. They're foster parents. I mean, what more? I mean, this guy's just the package. And it was always a pleasure to call him a good friend. And uh, actually, my wife and I had been on a few little uh, trips 
with he and his wife early on when we moved to Des Moines, but we just hadn't seen him in like four or five years. So when he walked by, it was great. It was good to catch up, see what he and his wife were doing. And that was, that was awesome. So he walked away, uh, Harlan, and then he came back probably in about oh, five or six minutes. And he said, you know, I just felt like I should come back and uh, tell you I've, I've got cancer hmm. and it was ocular melanoma. And he said, I've got a 50-50 chance of living the next five years. And, you know, when somebody comes back and says that in that setting, A, you never know what to say. And my jaw dropped and all I could muster out was, oh my goodness, Jerry, I I don't know what to say. And, and, And before I could even get that out, Jerry said, no, no, no. I didn't come back over to make you feel bad. I came back over to say that while I wish I didn't have this... This, this this disease and 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 you know hadn't got this news it's been the best three months of my life mm. and he said my wife and i are having conversations that we'd never never had before i've taken all my kids on individual trips and said what do you need from dad before uh you know before he leaves this earth you know i started delegating a lot of work i'm a little bit of a control freak he said and i started delegating a lot of things at work and realizing i need to i need to take better care of myself and, and then he kind of leaned in, Harlan, and, and, and he said, you know what? Um, when death becomes certain, life becomes rich. Hmm. And when he said that, it just, it just like resonated with me because it's like, you know, why do we wait to get sick before we find out how to get well? Exactly. And so I started thinking about that. And um, that jettisoned me into saying, you know what? Um, I need to start making something of this. And I spent literally the next 10 years. The nice thing is, I, I think, you know, the happy ending to that story is that uh, Jerry and I had uh, breakfast a couple of years ago. He's still living, doing great. Um, wow. Told him everything I'm doing, showed him all my slides uh, that I use when I speak. And he said, boy, everything you're talking about, Stan, is exactly what keeps me alive. You know, controlling inflammation, uh, you know, eating well, sleeping well, all the things, relationships, and so uh, anyway, um, great story and a great friend. And but that really uh, just propelled me into the world of of hoping that I can take leaders and show them what it's like to live a rich and intentional life. Absolutely. What a story. Yeah, because that's one thing. It, it seems like people always wait until that last minute and say, now I need to do something. It's like, why not start now? Start doing those things now, having the conversation with your kids now, have the conversation with your spouse now. Do that before you get this bad news. You know, you shouldn't wait around for that. Yeah, there's a slide that I use, uh, and I won't be able to remember it per se, but basically when I speak, it's it's from the Dalai Lama. And, and, and it talks a little bit about, you know, in our early years, we, you know, we, we, we spend our health trying to earn more money. And so we would basically break down our health, trying to earn more money. And then, then it kind of reverses. Then you have to spend your money, your money. you know, trying to get your health back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you, yeah. you know, and then, then, so it kind of has a, has a, has a full cycle. And then, you know, you find out, boy, did I really ever live a meaningful life? So <laughs> it's, it's a very powerful uh, uh, um, story that I tell, I think uh, when, when I'm talking. Absolutely. And so people reach out to you to come and talk to their, their groups. Uh, where do you talk? Businesses, churches? Where do you go? You know, it's been amazing. And uh, people that have reached out to me and it's just, you know, for example, um, of all places, I'm a real estate guy. And I spoke, uh, I've spoke twice for the uh, uh, nuclear engineering uh, yeah. summit and convention. <laughs> uh, talk about being the dumbest guy in the room, by the way, Harlan. 
I mean, you know, they're introducing the speaker before. I mean, he's got like three PhDs. Yeah. And then we get to Stan Gibson, who, you know, has a BS in uh, from Eastern Illinois University. And it's like, <laughs> holy cow, just put a loser sign on my forehead right now. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, you know, the thing that I found out as I spoke there was afterwards, they just said it was one of the best conferences they've had because they spend so much time focusing on nuclear energy, but not personal energy. Yeah. And so I actually had a lot of people come up after and say, would you come speak to my company? Would you come work with my leaders? And again, I was still working for a Fortune, uh, actually a Fortune 100 company at the time. But I did that. And I was doing it on, as I always say, my time, my dime. I was carving out all of my uh, all of my free time to go do that because it really meant a lot to me. And I got to see people grow. So, yeah, it, it's amazing. I just spoke last Monday to the Illinois Association of uh, Elected Officials wow. <laughs> and, uh, in Springfield, Illinois. And uh, actually, I spoke there. That was the last speech that I had before COVID. And then they asked me to come back uh, a year and a half, two years later, because they said, this crowd needs a jolt and yeah. you're the person to do it. So spoke there last Monday and had a blast. Excellent. Very cool. Well, you tell some great stories um, in the book. And one story that really got me is in chapter nine. Uh, the chapter is called, It's Easier to Get a Good Brand Than It Is to Lose a Bad One, which I think is a great title. Uh, but you tell the story about your your mom. She owned a couple clothing stores, and there's a lady from Florida that came in, stopped in one day. Do you remember that story? That story. Yeah, I do. And uh, so, you know, to set the context, where, where my wife and I grew up in Illinois, um, it's a dot on the map. And you're not going to find it. Um, I mean, you got to look really hard to go through it. And, uh, but my mom did, she, she operated two, not just one, but two ladies clothing stores in the same small town. And the reason she did, cause she just had this amazing flair for style, for knowing what all of the farmer's wives needed. And she could just put a person together like nobody else. Well, the story in the book goes, uh, yeah, one day this lady was traveling through town and I think she was from Florida and she, uh, she comes in and she she gets to meet my mom. She buys a lot of clothes and she basically goes to the counter and she pays my mom. And lady walks out the door. My mom's kind of recounting the money. And she goes, oh, my goodness, this uh, this lady overpaid me. And, uh, you know, enough to where my, my mom panicked and she ran out the door looking for this lady and couldn't find her. And uh, so anyway. You think it's the end of the story. And uh, amazingly, about a year later, this lady comes through town again. Why you would come through that same small town twice, I don't know. But she came through again. And because she got this great service and she just met this wonderful lady selling clothes, she stopped off to, uh, to, do, to do more shopping. And she walks in the store and my mom recognized her and went over to her desk, opened up a drawer, pulled out an envelope, and it had and change that money that she overpaid. And, and, and to me, I, you know, to me, I just say, you talk about getting a front row seat in life to watching someone with morals and values and a brand. Um, I was just blessed. And so I tell that story a lot because I think it's, it's what you do when nobody's looking. I know we've all heard that, but it's, it's those little things like that, that just show your character, Harlan. And, uh, you know, that was a special story for me. Absolutely. No, definitely. It, it, that's one of the stories that really stood out to me. And I, I like it because it uh, on a couple of levels. Number one, the um, honesty and integrity, right? The right. moral courage to do what's right, even though it may be a little bit of a hassle. It could be, you know, maybe, I mean, she put that in an envelope and kept it in her desk, hoping just in case this woman ever came by. She didn't just 
cash the money. She didn't just take it, you know, she put it aside specifically for that purpose. So having that that moral courage and that uh, that integrity is one thing, but then to for you to be able to learn from that, you know, that's something that I don't know if, if parents really understand. Kids are watching, people are watching, yeah. your employees are watching, and they see how you act. And that gives them some idea of how they should act too, you know? So that's something we've yeah. passed down. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you, you know, the, kind of the, one of the ironic things, since I'm a business junkie and we all are, is my mom had no intentions of, she just want to get the lady her money back. Mm -hmm. But from a customer standpoint, do you think that lady didn't spend that money plus a lot more that day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, she, uh, that wasn't my mom's intent, but that's what, you know, good branding and integrity and that stuff will do. It, you may not be looking for the payback, but it comes back. It's somehow, it somehow, it, it just comes back. And uh, that's, that's, that's the beauty of life. Absolutely. No, that's great. One of the other guys I had on a podcast a couple of months ago, talked about watching his dad, who was a VP of a company. And as his dad would walk through, he and his son were going down to lunch or something, as they walked through the building, every person that walked by greeted this VP with a big wow. smile. And he knew them all by name. And then would tell wow. his son some little, you know, oh, they have two kids in school. Oh, they have a dog. They just got a dog or something. He knew everything and everyone. And that kind of taught this guy, you know, it's, it's the people that are important. It's not the business. It's not the products. Right. It's the people. And you keep that in mind, you'll be fine. No, that's a great, great, great point, Harlan. Great point. That is cool. So uh, where did you find the courage? I mean, you had this great, you know, real estate background and, and working for uh, Wells Fargo and everything like that. But then at some point you decided, hey, there's, there's more. I want to step out and do more. Where did, where did you find yeah. that courage? You know, I'd, I'd love to tell you a good story about it and just tell you how courageous I am and all that stuff. But, you know, if, if in all honesty, um, you know, like I said, I had been laying these bricks for years and kind of dreaming about the time when I would actually step away. And, you know, just with, with, with where the economy is right now, it was kind of scripted because um, I knew that, you know, in a management position, um, it just didn't, didn't probably play well, you know, from, for me. And I, I had done the one thing that I had always hoped to do, and that was to build, I think, one of the best teams in Wells Fargo and just put together, in my opinion, a lot of Michael Jordans. And uh, so it became obvious to me. And I told my wife, I said, right now, you know, there's this company has to save money and I'm, I'm a great logical choice. And you know what? I'm going to be probably the happiest person if, it, if, if I'm nudged. And, and, you know, for a long time, Harlan, I've always read, and I think it's absolutely true. You know, if you want to take the island, you got to burn the boat. And um, I hadn't really quite burned that boat yet, but yet I was still going out. I was doing a lot of uh, motivational speaking. I was having more and more people say, can you come? Can you talk to my company? Can you work? So I had set all of the right places, but it was just that nudge that was like, no, I'm ready for this. I'm, 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 you know, I've planned for years and, you know, I tell you what, you know, we talked about it at Wells on a Thursday, eight o'clock that next morning. I mean, I was up and running on LinkedIn. I already had my website. I had my book already <laughs> written. I mean, I had everything. And, and I was like the happiest camper come that Friday morning. And uh, so, so, you know, some people have more courage to just go ahead and burn the boat. For me, it probably took a nudge, but I had been working on, on setting that fire probably for the last five to 10 years. But, you know, a lot of people go from job to job, even if they get laid off, uh, quit, get fired, whatever it is, they don't feel comfortable being out on their own, flying solo. They have to be working for a company 
have somebody else make the decisions, have somebody else take the stress, you know, just collect their paycheck every week and stuff that didn't appeal to you. You just decided, no, I, I want to do more. You know, I, I read something the other day. I wish I could remember. In fact, I'm going to put it on LinkedIn this week because it's, I think it's a good, it's a good post to have. And it was, in fact, uh, oh, I'm trying to think of his name right now. Uh, but anyway, the quote was, would you rather be unhappy or have uncertainty? Hmm. And that really kind of rocked me a little bit because I was thinking, wow, how many of us would rather be unhappy because we don't want to deal with uncertainty? Yeah. And right now I'm dealing with uncertainty. I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm having to build a book of business. I'm having to be on the phone. I'm having to call on friends and family. And I say friends and family, but I'm calling on people that I've known for years. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I'm starting to see the fruits start to uh, start to really elevate. And it's a lot of fun, but th there's always uncertainty. And, um, but in the scheme of things, you know, you're questioning, what do you want God to say with you? Uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, when you get up there and it's, you know, I'm hoping, you know, Hey, I, you know, I trusted you, you know, I sh you, you should have trusted me more and, you know, things like that always come to my mind. It's like, you know what, good people are going to eventually find a way to make a living. And, uh, you know, we don't need everything in life. We just need to be more happy. I think than uh, thinking that, that money's going to solve all of our problems, Harlan. So anyway, it's, it's, it's a journey and I'm, I'm excited to, 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 to be on it. And it's so far working out very well. Absolutely. So aside from your mom, did you have other influences that kind of taught you about business? And life? Uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I've, I've just been blessed. You know, one, one thing I always did was in the jobs that I've had throughout the years, I've had some job offers. And, and while some of the offers might have paid more, um, I took the companies where I thought I could learn more and where I thought that there were some leaders that could, could maybe take me to the next level eventually. So I didn't always take the highest offer. I took the best, the best culture, the best place to learn. Uh, was fortunate when I was in my early 20s, um, got hired, uh, mid-20s, I got hired by a company called Vantage Companies and uh, worked for a guy who was actually about my age at the time. He was in his mid-20s, but he had CEO just written all over his head. The guy was just a, 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 just a mastermind, just a phenom. Hmm. And I was fortunate because, I mean, he showed me the kind of leadership right off the bat at a young age. I mean, he showed me that, you know what, yeah, you need to just, you know, praise everybody in public, you know, just, just, just shower them with praise. And then, and then, you know, if you're going to, you know, kind of uh, read them the riot act, you do that in private. Exactly. And, uh, you know, so he could do that. He could take me in a closed room and just tell me how I was messing up. But then all of a sudden, you know, two hours later, we'd be in a, be in a conference room and he'd be just shouting my praises. And that's the way he's wired. And yes, he's a CEO today of a company out of Los Angeles, a very large company, and doesn't surprise me at all because um, just blessed to have people like that uh, um, be in your life. And, sure. you know, I'm sure I'm like you, Harlan. I've worked for good people. I've worked for some people that I think probably need some leadership, uh, you know, development. But I've been blessed to work for good people throughout my life. So um, I, I guess I would probably just end it there. Now, the other thing I would say, too, there is a chapter in my in my book where I talk about experiences and I talk about my daughter. And I will tell you, it's kind of amazing because uh, I always say she was my moral compass and it shouldn't it be the other way around. I mean, I think I'm supposed to be the one uh, that she's, uh, uh, you know, supposed to be emulating. 
but she just always had this, this, this moral compass. So she and my wife both, they're just amazing at always doing the right thing. And, you know, I, I tell the story in the book about, uh, you know, my daughter's husband had moved out to, 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 to well, they were both going to move out to Phoenix, but he went out there to find a job. And so he was out there for about three months, finally found a job. My daughter calls me and says, hey, dad, can you, can you, can you load me up and take me out there? And it's like, wow, my wife's working. It's just she and I. It's going to be a daddy-daughter. This is awesome. I mean, how, how many times do you, do, you, do, you, do you get this experience? So I went into dad mode. And I got, you know, I Googled it. And I said, boy, you know, we take off 8 o'clock, you know, sharp, maybe a few potty breaks. Uh, we can be there about like 3, 3 o'clock, maybe 4 o'clock, you know, the afternoon. And she said, well, dad, you know, I, I kind of, you know, did my own calculations too. And I figured if, you know, if we take our time and, we take some back roads and we enjoy ourselves. We can be there in about three or four days. Well, boy, talk about feeling, you know, about, yeah. I'm six, six, talk about feeling two inches tall. It was like, okay, you know, the students teaching the master right here. And so, you know, she's always had a good sense of that, uh, of, of just that direction and compass. And so, you know, I'm fortunate to in my life be around people. You know, the one thing I, I always write about too, Jim Rohn said it, you know, you're the product of the five people you're around the most. Right. So be very careful about who, who your influences are. And sometimes you can't fully control that and you need to set some boundaries or maybe even quit taking some phone calls. Um, but um, I've set up what I call um, my board of directors and um, companies have boards of directors all the time, Harlan. I mean, they, they hire the brightest, the smartest, the people that can come in and give them advice without feeling like, you know, that it has to be filtered. And so I've done the same thing. I've set up my own board of directors, whether it be my, you know, the doctors in my life, the financial analysts, but also the business consultants. And I've nice. got people that I ask them for raw, unfiltered advice. And unfortunately, they give it to me. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and, and, and I think that, you know, it's important that you set up your own leadership uh, network as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So of the leaders that you've worked for, um, and deal with and the people that are on your, your board. Um, what do you look for in a leader? What type of courage would you say you want them to demonstrate? Well, you know, I, I don't think that they're just naturally coming at you with my way is the right way. I think they're always coming at you and they're asking, they're listening, they're just mm -hmm. listening. And then, and then of course they've got experience that can be interjected from time to time. But they're just, they're just wise, you know, they're just, they're, they're just, you know, they're able to listen, they're able to process, they're able to maybe throw it back on you and say, well, you know, what if you tried this? And what would be your thoughts if, and, you know, they just ask great questions. Okay. And so I just try to find people that I think, you know, aren't just over domineering, but I know that they've got the experience that they need to draw on it, that they can e easily uh, kind of throw me down the right direction. But it's just those good listeners. And that's what I'm trying to emulate in my coaching is how do you ask the killer question that just, it just like puts them, you know, they stop in their tracks yeah. and they're like, oh my God, I got to answer this. And, uh, you know, I, I was on a call last week and did that. And, and, and she just emailed me yesterday and just said, I'm still pondering that question. It was a great question and I still don't know how to answer it. And so when you do that, you know that, um, you know, you've, 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 you've asked a, something very sensitive that uh, will make somebody grow. Exactly. No, and I think that's important. Um, intellectual courage, the ability, the courage to set aside your preconceived uh, notions, your long-held beliefs, to make room for new information that comes in. 
you know, a lot of times, uh, and you probably come across this, you have people who say, oh, this is the way we've always done it. Well, that doesn't mean that's the best way, especially yeah. when you're talking to your employees. They're the ones that are actually doing the work. They may have insights. They may be able to see something that you're missing. Ask them, how can we shave some time off this? How can we be more efficient with this? And you'd be surprised at what they can come up with. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I have a process that, you know, I always used with my team. In fact, I put it on uh, I put it on LinkedIn yesterday, a little video, but I said, you know, stop, start, continue. And exactly. I think you have to yes. ask yourself all the time, what have I got to stop doing? What have I got to start doing? What do I need to continue doing? And really work that process, you know, quarterly, monthly. And, uh, you know, I just, think, I just think that those are the right questions to ask. And I know my team always, it was typically what meetings are we having that we just need to stop having? Cause they morph into something that has no value <laughs> yes. at all. Yes. Uh, two years later. Yeah. Start, stop, continue. Absolutely. That's one thing we do with our clients too. So if I was to bump into any of your former employees, anybody you worked with before, um, what would they say about you? What kind of leader would they say you are? You know, I have filled out a eulogy on, on myself, on different sectors of my life, what I want my wife to say about me, what I want my daughter to say about me, what I want, you know, you know, the people that I work with. And the one thing I think they would say, because I, I've always tried to model it, is he cared about me more outside of work than inside. Nice. And while I care about everybody getting the job done, we've all got goals, we've all got to hit productivity measures, we've all got to do that. But I think that they would say he really cared. And... Um, you know, that to me is important. I think, you know, I always did a lot of one-on-ones. Um, I would do one-on-ones with my direct reports. I'd do one, one-on-ones less frequent with people that were maybe too down from me. But, you know, the first 10 to 15 minutes just had to be personal time. And to me, that was, you know, tell me what's going on in your life. You know, how's, how are things, you know, with your family? And, you know, people love to open up like that. And I think when you get that trust is when people will really, um, they'll step up to the plate. They'll do anything you ask. And so I hope that that would be the one thing they would say is, uh, you know, he really cared a lot about us. And uh, that, 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 that to me would be the ultimate compliment from anybody that's uh, I've been fortunate enough to manage. Yeah, other cultures seem to have that down. They, they don't go into a meeting and start talking business automatically. It's always, how is the family? How is your weekend? How is this? You know, and I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we take enough time to, to just get to know each other on a, on a, a people level. Before we yeah, dive into I, I was uh, I was consulting with uh, some leaders at a company, and uh, you know, I asked the leader. I said, "How often do you meet with uh, with your direct reports?" And his comment was, "Well, they know where I sit. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. can come find me." And it's like, "No, no, no. We got to take a step back. <laughs> yeah, we've got to develop some trust here. I think in the organization, and I think yeah. that that's absolutely right." Wow. So one thing I, you mentioned before, um, praise in public, punish in private. That's another thing that I see a lot of business owners uh, get wrong. They step out of their office, they yell at somebody, and that kind of sets the tone for everyone, right? They, they start thinking, well, that's the way I need to treat other people. Maybe that's what I need to do to get ahead in this organization. What other type of things do you see that, that leaders maybe aren't, aren't doing right or aren't doing as well as they probably should? Mm, boy, great question, Harlan. That's, that's that's why I was always so fearful of coming on your podcast. Um, I do believe that the relational piece is, 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 is you know, we've talked about that. You, you know, the one thing that I'm doing a lot in my practice right now is I say, know who you are, know who you're not. 
And I, I really, as I take either individuals or I take teams through, through consulting, I think the foundation is finding the right swim lanes. And I think a lot of leaders today don't take the time. I mean, they'll look at an assessment of somebody and then it goes on the shelf. No, take the assessment and find out, you know, what makes this person tick? And, you know, do I need to make some, 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 some tweaks in, in, in their week, in their month to make sure that they're in their swim lane, that they're, you know, and I just think that, that we just missed the boat there. And I, you know, the, 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 the statistics right now are saying that, you know, 20% of the people in, in a company have checked out. They just don't even, you know, hate, hate being there. 50% are there because they need that paycheck. And then 30% are, they're all in. So basically that's 70% of the people that aren't there. Right. Well, what if you took out of that 70%, what if you, what if you just really dove in on maybe half of that 70%? And said, you know what? What is it that you love to do? What is it? And maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a pleasant exit that we just work you out of this over the next year, you know. But, but, but we get you to where you want to be. You're not working for us very effectively, and, and and you're not happy. I think the more that leaders and managers can do that, I, I've been fortunate. Um, been taking a lot of classes uh, under a guy by the name of Rex Miller, and uh, it's called Core Clarity. And it's a derivative of strength finders. And it's really taking a look more at, you know, how do we get people to work to their strengths? And yeah, strengths are like any muscle. Um, if, if, if a strength's overused, you know, it's going to become weak. So you've also got to take a look at your strengths and say, okay, when does this become kryptonite? And I think for leaders and managers to better understand the people on their team, and then for the team to understand each other. So we can say, you know what? nobody's really sitting here trying to maliciously make me mad. We're just wired a little differently. <clears throat> and there's a few of the strengths that are probably going to be natural friction points. And so we, we need to address it on the table. So that's when I say, know who you are and know who you're not. But I think for teams and organizations to know each other and to realize, Hey, you know, we're all on the same team. We got to figure out how to get there together. And yeah, there's going to be some bad days, but it isn't, out of maliciousness. It's just out of the fact that we're wired differently. And while, for example, one of my strengths is I'm strategic and I'm an activator. And while that doesn't make me the smartest person in the room, it, strategic means in strength finders, it means that I typically filter very quickly a lot of the options and I just get right to the punchline without a lot of analytics or logic to back it up. I just typically can get there. It doesn't mean I'm right all the time. It means I'm probably right, you know, 60, 70% of the time. But yeah. if I'm working with somebody who's analytical, which I was blessed to, I think, realize this years ago, I need to surround myself with somebody who's very logical, <clears throat> who's going to develop the analytics. And they're going to probably slow me down because I'm an activator too. I like to get things going. I like to get to the answer. So the, the mere ability, I think, for me to partner up with somebody that will slow me down but yet I will speed them up because we, you know, we can't get analysis from paralysis. And there had to be times where I said, okay, we've, we've analyzed this long enough. We're going to, you know, here, here's, here's, here's the choice we're going to make. But I think that's what leaders should be doing. I think is understanding their people, their teams, and making sure that the team understands everybody with a lot more clarity. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the courage to admit this, this is not my strong suit and then surround yourself with the people that do have, it doesn't diminish you as a leader, right? You surround yourself with the people that have those skills you're looking for. Absolutely. 
and the empathetic courage, the, like I said, working with employees to be able to let them, you know, talk about what's going on, you know, set aside whatever's going on in your own life and ask them, hey, what, what's going on? I see you're struggling here. Is there something going on at home? Empathize with them. Hey, I, I know this is difficult for you, but then to be able to reinsert yourself as, as the boss, right? I understand this is tough, but I really need you to step up and do this. I think right. that's hard for some, some managers, you know, I think that's tough. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, and again, I think that there's a, in fact, I read your, uh, your two books. I, I, I've been traveling and I just got back. And, and, and so I, I dove in and, and, and I loved uh, the Barnstormer book because um, the first chapter kind of like hit me between the eyes. You know, I got like two black eyes right now from, from reading it. And it was, you know, when people ask, what do you do? And, and, and it really made me sit back and think, how do you answer that question in a more logical format? And I think you gave some very helpful tips in that book as to how to kind of, you know, make it simpler and say, well, here's where I step in and here's what I can do, you know, to help you and kind of maybe forget exactly where I was going with that. But, 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 but the point is, is that it, 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 it's, it's kind of made me sit back and think about as a leader, what is it I really do? And do I have to be the, the loudest voice in the room? Do I have to be? No, I just have to figure out how to get all these people kind of just going in the right direction. Funny thing, if you don't mind me telling real quick, uh, one time I took over the real estate uh, department, about 150 people. And it was, it, was a, it, was a, it, was, it was kind of a nice job. It was a great job, actually. And I walked in and I didn't realize um, just how depleted this team was. And I mean, it was like I didn't know what I was walking into. And so I had my first staff meeting and I had everybody in there and it was just dead silence, just dead silence. I told you one thing I don't like is silence. Yeah. So, yeah, I look over and there's a question and I ask somebody who's really talented and I asked him a question and he didn't respond to me. And I had to ask him again and he really wasn't paying attention. And, and so he, he answered me finally and it was a, a, a great response. And I get out of that meeting and I'm like, Oh my God, this was the worst meeting. I, I mean, I've failed. I, 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 just, I just walked out of the room like with my head down. I walked back to my office and one of the other guys in the meeting, he went around the other way and he met me in my office and he said, that was the best meeting we ever had in our life. That was phenomenal. <laughs> and I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, uh, nobody said anything. And, and he said, that's because nobody ever asked us. Nice. <laughs> and to me, it was like, wow. Now I get it. I mean, nobody ever asked. Yeah. And so, you know, the next meeting I had, I said, look, if you guys are planning on me to answer all the questions around here, we're going to fail real quick because I'm a generalist and I don't, I'm not a subject matter expert on anything, but I think I know how to get the right people at the table. And I hope that's all of you. And all of a sudden it was just like, wow, they got engaged. And to, to, the, to this day, that's been 15 years ago, that one person that I mean, he to me is one of the top performers in at Wells in 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 strategy. I mean, I was I've been able to watch him just just blossom, and it's just giving people that courage to speak up. Exactly, asking them for their input. Yeah, a lot of times, yeah, the bosses will just kind of roll over. This is this is how we do things. We do it my way, and they don't want to listen. Like I don't, I've never understood that. But I had one guy I worked with at Lockheed years ago, and he was a, a craftsman, and I I was an apprentice, so I'm learning from him. How do you do this? How to do that? And I saw him doing something one day and I said, can you teach me to do that? And he said, absolutely not. He goes, it took me 17 years to get this skill. I'm not just going to give it away. It's like, well, I'm not 
like taking anything from you. You still have the knowledge, you know, but yeah. I've never been that way. I'll, I'll give away anything I have, whatever I have. I'm, I'm willing to use. No, I, I agree. And you and maybe even going back a little bit, you asked me, you know, what are, what are some of the things that leaders do or don't do? But one of my, he, he was the best man at my wedding and, and I was in his and he's now a very, very uh, seasoned uh, nuclear engineer. One of the best, he does a lot of lobbying in Washington, DC. It's just, he's just, I mean, he's reached, reached the pinnacle of his industry. And, but the one thing I remember about his leadership is he was a plant manager and you know while he was management you know the the other people are out there at uh, 4 35 5 in the morning you know and even though he didn't have to be at work until eight he was out there at 4 30 and 5 having coffee with them every morning yep. and you know he didn't have to but they respected him immensely for for getting to know them personalizing and while he didn't have any ulterior motive uh, that's what's jettisoned, jettisoned him, I think, in his career. Like I say, he's kind of reached the pinnacle in the in the nuclear in, uh, engineering industry. But it was that ability to get up and be part of the uh, part of the people that make it all happen. So I, my hat's always off to him. His name's Brad, and he was just he's just phenomenal, in my opinion. Awesome. Yeah, we need more people like that. But I think that's one of the the purposes of leadership is to build more leaders, right? Yeah, not more yeah. followers. Absolutely. <laughs> have, yeah, yeah. We have plenty of followers. Yeah. So your book is out. Uh, it's available. Uh, do you have another book in the works? Gosh, I used every brain cell I had, I think, to finish <laughs> that one. Like I said, never let a good pandemic go to waste. So I uh, I used every ounce of energy. I'll tell you what, it was really more of a, sometimes it, we're all wired differently. Some people mm -hmm. are just natural achievers. For me, I have to have, you know, kind of uh, some deadline in place or some reason to to to, to do something. And you know, my mom's getting up there in age and she, she, she had said, boy, I'd certainly love to see a book you ever wrote, you know? <laughs> so it was like, okay, you know, she's laid down the challenge. And so had, uh, had the year of the pandemic to, again, I play a lot of sports, Harlan. I, I, I golf, I play softball. I do a lot of, a lot of sports. And so to me, it wasn't doing all that stuff. So I figured, you know, let's use that time for good, not evil. And uh, so um, wrote the book and Right now, I'm being asked to speak on a lot of other topics. Then um, we're going to be speaking in about three months, and I've, I've kind of got an interest around uh, around just the the brain, how it works, mm -hmm. and you know, from a leadership perspective, is it keeping us from success? Um, how does it play? How do you treat the brain right? And, you know, they always say the gut is the second brain. How do you eat well? Um, because the brain affects the heart, it it affects the brain, and so I'm I'm kind of a little bit right now. Again, it sounds a little geeky, but I, I'm I'm kind of uh, really interested the one gift i do have is taking very complex stuff and making it very simple um, i just because i'm not a very complex guy and so um that's probably an area that i'm headed and if 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 some kind of a book comes out of it that would be great but i've got a lot of research to do while i'm building a business so um, we'll see kind of where it ends up awesome very cool well i look forward to reading it when it does come out um stan if people want to get in touch with you how can they find you well, you know, uh, like I said, I've had a website uh, for years, but if they want to, um, I can be found at uh, S for Stan, but S Gibson at oxygen-plus.net. Um, you can go onto LinkedIn and find me, uh, Stan Gibson. I don't think there's too many Stan Gibsons out there. I think it's a Stan Gibson underscore. Um, I also have a website, um, oxygen plus 
uh, com or I think it's .net. Got to think about that. But anyway, um, if you'll put that in the show notes, I think that would be great. And um, again, just I just love to hear from people. Uh, You know, if you can connect with me, uh, no, (laughs) I just like to connect and just like to hear your story. And if it's nothing more than that, I think that my day has been made. Excellent. And they can buy your book on your website, or is it available on Amazon? Where is it? Both, both. They can buy it on uh, on my website, and they can also go to Amazon. Again, living a rich and intentional life. And uh, again, never thought of myself as an author, but uh, it's uh, I love getting the, uh, the the check each month from Amazon because Absolutely. it's 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 been doing much better than I had imagined. And uh, people are saying I can hear your voice in it, and so Very that good. that means a lot. And the other thing I would say too is. Uh, I asked, uh, it was a family thing. You know, I asked my daughter to edit it. It was the first mm-hmm. time she ever edited. So, you know, I got to work with her and she also put a, uh, put a, uh, she, she did the cover and mm-hmm. the cover happens to be a picture of a sunrise that she and her husband and my wife and I got to experience, uh, in Hawaii about two years ago. And it was right after my wife was, was, uh, was diagnosed, uh, with cancer. So it was a, it was a special, um, event. And so it's got a lot of meaning for me. And fortunately, my wife has had her last treatment about a few months ago. And so we're rocking and rolling and ready to enjoy life as we had had always intended. But so the book, uh, the cover has some meaning uh, to me, uh, Harlan, uh, uh, and the fact that my daughter helped edit it yeah. or did edit it. So that's great. Excellent. No, very good. Living a rich and intentional life. Definitely go out and get that book. Well, Stan, this has been great. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, hope it was good for you too. And- Loved it. Awesome. And listeners, hope you guys enjoyed this. There's a lot of takeaways from this. Hope you were taking notes. If not, listen to the podcast a second time. And this time, be ready to take notes. All right. And that's it. If you enjoy the podcast, share it with your family, friends, and colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 